Good morning, church. First John chapter 1 this morning. First John chapter 1. It's good to be here. Good to be able to dive right into God's Word. I want to share with you something that I'm pretty passionate about today. Uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and so the flow of the message, I don't know what it'll come across, but uh, hopefully a challenge to each one of us. Because not only is it something that I'm passionate about and committed to, I think that we as a church should be individually and collectively um, committed to as well. I want to talk for a few moments about being committed to authenticity. Uh, we began a series last week called To the Core, and we're looking at some of the core values of the church I shared last week about when I came here nearly 20 years ago as a pastor, the things that would be kind of at the center of who I am. What am I going to be focused on? What am I going to be all about? And what would the church be all about? And so last week we kicked it off with hospitality, and we talked about how important that is. In fact, it's so important, I put it um, in number of priority as number one, and the reason I do that. Is because obviously I'm not minimizing the gospel. It is the most important. But if we don't get hospitality right in our lives individually and in the church, we miss the opportunity for them to hear the gospel. It doesn't matter how great the gospel is, the preaching of the gospel. It doesn't matter how great the music is, all the programs that we have to offer. If we don't get hospitality right, then we miss an opportunity to bring friends through the doors and make them feel welcome and uh, ready to receive what God might have for them. And so that was last week. And today, committed to authenticity. So I want to quickly jump into one of a few passages that we'll read today, but First John chapter 1, I'm, I'm going to read it, and I know we just prayed, but I'm going to pray again, and then we'll just take off. So First John chapter 1, verse 8 says, if we claim that we have no sin, or if we claim that we have no shortcomings, um, if we claim we have no failures, if we claim that we don't ever mess up from time to time, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the light. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Father, we thank you for this day. Again, as it already has been asked, that you would open our eyes to your truth. Father, I thank you that you're a safe place for us to go where we can confess our sins to you, agree and admit to those sins, and it's a safe place where we find healing, forgiveness, cleansing. And Lord, as we jump into the topic of, of um, authenticity today, I pray uh, that you would just help us to sense the need in our own personal lives and in the church um, as well. And obviously, honor, we want to honor you and everything that we do and say, and we humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was raised in church like many of you. I was in church in the morning and the night and the midweek and anything else that was going on. I was in the choir, I was in the youth, and if it had anything to do with church, I was there. Uh, my grandpa, in fact, owned the building, physical building, where we met for church, and I had no excuses because he had the key, you know, and we could be there anytime we wanted to be there. Any event, you're going to be there. I lived two blocks from that church. There was no excuses on getting there. Hop on your bike, get to church, right? So I was raised in church. There's one thing I remember about being raised in church, and that was this idea that I was supposed to be on my best behavior when I go to church. Mom and dad say amen. You know what I'm talking about. You have a fight with the kids on the way to church, and then you get them before they walk in. You better, you better not embarrass me in front of the pastor. Right? You, you, you better not make a fool of yourself. You better be on your best behavior. So we learned at an early age how to be on our best behavior at church. How are we doing? So as a kid growing up in church, you didn't get up and walk out, just wanted to walk out. No offense to those who do that today. I mean, I'm cool with it. But as a kid, if you got up, the pastor's like, where are you going? Right? If you're talking on the back row, the pastor might say, what are you kids talking about back there? Or he might say, hey, 
You boys, if you knew your name, oh, he'd call you out. Hey, Shane, you and your friend didn't quit talking back there. If that happened, it was over for me when I got home. Because I embarrassed mama at church today, right? So we learned at an early age to be on our best behavior at church. You're a good little boy. It doesn't matter Monday through Saturday, but at church, you're on your best behavior. Now, add that to this idea that we are Christians, right? We read the Word of God. I grew up in a pretty charismatic background, so we talked about faith a lot, big faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do anything, man. You can just say, God, I have faith, and it's going to happen. And so this idea that we are people of faith, we walk by faith, right? We trust God. And those two things together, what they produce, what they create, I think, is this image and this perception of other people in our lives, in the way we see ourselves. And so we got this perception that we put out there. We're good people who got big faith. The problem is we live in a world that's broken. And there are things that challenge us in our faith every day, right? Um, you're not feeling well or something's going wrong at work or there's something that's really got you worried. And, and this perception that you're a big person of faith or you're a good person and somebody says, hey, how's things going? And you're like, man, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling in my faith today. And then the, usually the response was, well, you just need to trust God more. It just means you're not trusting God enough. And so what happens is because you're worried about what people may think, I mean, they're going to judge me. I'm supposed to be this person of faith, and I don't always walk strong in my faith. And I don't want people to tell me or to perceive that I'm a man of little faith, Then I'm just going to deny it, right? I'm just going to go through the motions. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm victorious in Jesus' name. And we just say things like that, right? You're a good person, you got this big faith. The problem is this image, we actually like it. I like for people to think that I'm a good man, right? You see that in church, oh, they must have the perfect marriage. Uh-uh, you should have seen the argument they had on the way to church. I told you how my wife and I remedied that years ago. We don't take the same vehicle to church every Sunday. But, you know, they have the perfect marriage or, hey, it must be the perfect father. Or I bet they've got all of their ducks in a row. No, you don't. The reality is none of us have any ducks in a row. But there's this perception, there's this image, and we like it. And we want to do everything we can to protect it. Here's the irony of the whole thing. God has called us to walk together in relationships, in fellowship. And he's called us to live this thing called life out together. In doing that, we need each other, Right? And so here's the thing. There are other people that are not here today. Today, there are many people across the globe that are going to walk into church maybe for the first time. Maybe they've gone through something very difficult this week, and they're just needing hope. They're just needing a place of refuge where they can go and maybe identify with other people who are going through some of the th same things. They come to the church, and they perceive that we got it all figured out, right? And they're not brave enough to say, hey, I'm struggling today because... Apparently, you guys all got it figured out. I'm the only one. Has anyone ever felt like you're the only one that struggles with something? Oh, please understand. I've heard that so many times. And it's refreshing to them when you say, hey, listen, I, I want you to know you're not the only one. There are many people that struggle with the same thing. So here's what we do. And we're really good at it, by the way. We put on the mask. You like my mask? Oh, I love a mask. Because what we do, right? I notice the smile. Because I may be having a bad day, but I'm going to church, and it's like, bless Jesus, everything's great, I'm happy, and I'm, you know, joy to the Lord, you know, and all this stuff. And so we put the smile on because that's what people expect, right? I'm on my, my good behavior, see my halo, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a holy child of God. 
right? And we put this mask on, and here's the funny thing. It's like outside of the church, it's like we're fussing at the kids and the wife, and we're fussing in traffic, and we're acting like hoodlums, and we get to church like, bless the Lord, how are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> we all do it. Do we not? And so the call to authenticity simply is to drop the mask and to know this is a safe place to do that. When I surrendered to be a pastor here almost 20 years ago, I remember thinking, what's a pastor supposed to look like and act like? Now, I jokingly say now that I can go to a restaurant and I can pick them out of a crowd, like the shoes, the haircut, definitely a preacher, right? And so I tried real hard early on to not look like one, and you might see me in town with white legs and fatigues and a T-shirt covered in sawdust. I really don't care because a long time ago I decided I'm just going to be me. And there'll be people that'll be all right with that, and there may not be some, or there may be some that are not all right with that, but I wanted to just be authentic, real, genuine, because I was more concerned about the integrity, the heart stuff, rather than the outward appearance, amen? And so this expectation that I had personally, I started thinking about it, and I'm like, it's so important for us, not just for the pastor to be that way, but for us collectively as a church and individually as the people that make up the body of Christ to embrace this commitment to authenticity, to be just real, to be who you are, warts and all. I got a newsflash for you. Nobody's perfect. If you think you are, come see me after church, and I will explain to you why you're not. But I'll do it in love. No judgment. I'm just wanting to be honest with you. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, no, not one. And because we're all imperfect, why can't we just admit it? Why can't we just acknowledge that we're messed up people, but we're relying on the grace and the mercy and the love of God? And we've all come here today because we're like, we need Jesus. We need God in our lives. So there's this great risk to authenticity where we're saying, man, I just, I'm afraid if I admit that I've got a weakness that I'm going to be judged. I'm afraid that if I admit that I'm weak in my faith that somebody's going to use it against me. I'm afraid if I open up that deepest, darkest, you know, struggle that I've got that somebody's going to blast it on Facebook or use it against me. And so that risk causes us to just pick up the mask every time we come around God's people. We're like, it's just too risky. I can't risk it. So boom, put the mask on. And as I said a moment ago, the irony of that is there are people all across the world that are craving it. And so why is it a big deal? Well, there have been studies over the years, but one of the studies, um, and I remember hearing this several years back, <clears throat> showed that people, especially the younger generation, are leaving the church at record rates. So like, we're blessed in this church. God's been growing it. We've seen growth throughout the years. But across the globe, there are a lot of churches that are just dwindling in numbers and a lot of it's the young people they're no longer going to church and when they were asked or they were polled why are you not going to church anymore and they would give all these excuses or reasons but when they probed a little further they said okay what's the what's the behind the reason why why most of them would admit that they believe that christians and church is not genuine it's not authentic it's not real they perceive a bunch of fake people and you might hear something like this i don't go to church because it's filled with hypocrites and I'll say, so is Walmart. <laughs> They're not wrong. If we say that we believe in God and we hold ourselves to a certain standard and we don't live like that, by definition, we are hypocrites. But God has chosen the church to be the agent on the earth for which he's going to make, bring change through in the lives of people. And I'm passionate about us as a church doing it his way. Here's a reason. One of the reasons, because Jesus, in his day, addressed a church. 
Now, it doesn't use the word authenticity, but you see it in there. And he addresses the people that would have been the leadership of the church of his day. Talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of religious law. And here's what Jesus said about them. Chapter 23, Matthew says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. Hey, they're the ones that are teaching us the word of God, the law of Moses. So... Practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Wait, wait, this is the church. This is the leaders of the church. Listen to what they're telling you, but don't do what they're doing. Don't follow their example. He says, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. This is hypocrisy. He's like, everything that they do is for hypocrisy. This whole chapter, it's an interesting read, but he talks about them closing the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, and they won't go in themselves, and they won't let others go in either. And then in verse 25, he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites. The word hypocrite, I might mind you, is the mask, is to put on the mask, to play the part, and that's what they're doing. And so Jesus is saying, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish. Why? Because the outside is what everybody sees. You're careful to clean the outside, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed tombs, Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bodies and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Ouch. This is Jesus speaking to the church of his day. And I think you could deduct from that conversation there that he doesn't like playing the game. He doesn't like hypocrisy or putting on a show. Jesus lived a life of authenticity, Apostle Paul, many of them were just pretty much straight shooters, and he's calling us also to a life of authenticity. So what is it? Simply means not false or copied. It means genuine or real. Just be real. Be who you are, works and all. It doesn't mean we celebrate or we're like arrogant, like, yeah, I'll do. It just means that, hey, look, I'm a broken individual like you are, and I'm just genuine. What you see is what you're going to get. When you see me as a pastor out in the community, you, what you see is what you get. The same guy out there as you see in here. And that's what you want, right? As a church, it's just authenticity. And so my hope is that we as a church and individually, we will see the need for authenticity, that we will learn how to practice it, and we'll find the courage to finally drop the mask. Because there's a lot at stake in our lives as well as in the lives of other people. There's a great need for it. So why do we need authenticity? I already mentioned there's a world. There's a world outside of the church that's looking for hope. There's a world of people in this community that are hurting. They're walking through seasons of life that are unbearable to them. And they think, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church because I hear that, you know, God is the one that heals us and God is the one that, that leads us and, and, and bails us out, if you will. And so I'm going to go check the church out. And imagine when they walk through the doors of a church and they don't find genuine, real people to deal with, but they just see a bunch of people that are obviously broken too who are putting on the mask, playing the games. And they walk in and they walk out without having received hope, without, you know, maybe not even wanting to come back because here's what they're thinking. 
look, am I the only one that feels this way? I went to church today, and it's perceived that everybody in that church has got it figured out, but I don't. And so I'll just keep looking for that perfect church where I can find the answers. Church, we need authenticity. We need genuine believers in the church, in our country, in our city today. Amen? So we need it because we're called to live life together. In fact, in the New Testament, there are 29 verses that talk about one another. Love one another. Bear with one another. Bear one another's burdens, right? Be patient with one another. Um, show grace to one another. I mean, there's just all these one another verses where we're called together to walk in love with one another. This law of love that Christ said, a new command that I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And you can't show that kind of love without being real with people. And so the need, I believe, is great and even greater today than ever before. I believe it's probably one of the most important commitments as a church that we can make individually and collectively as just being real. Here's another news flash for you. God already knows, so the mass doesn't work with him. Amen? And I'll tell you what, the generations that are around us today, they're a lot smarter than they used to be, and they can see through this too. And that's why they say, I don't need church. So the need is greater, I believe, today than it's ever been before. So how do, we, how do we walk in this authenticity? How do we just be real and be genuine? Realizing there's a vulnerability to it, there's a risk that people are going to take some of the things that we say and they may use them against us. How do we walk in authenticity? So I'm going to give you three characteristics. We can probably add more to this, but this is just three quickly this morning that I want us to just think on for a moment. Number one, our lives should be gospel-centered, not me-centered. What that means is when it comes to my life, I'm more concerned about what you see um, in God, or what you see through me, and that is God in me, working through me. I don't want you just to see shame. I don't want you to just see me as an individual and go, that guy's got his life all figured out. No, 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 that pastor is even a broken individual who relies on the grace of God every day just like you do. I want to be gospel-centered, not me-centered. Because when we're me-centered, we're more worried about the perception that we put out with the world around us. We're more worried about what people think, and we miss the opportunities to be the hands and the feet, the salt and the light of Christ. Right? So if we want to be real and we want to be authentic, we need to learn how to be Christ-centered, gospel-centered, and less me-centered. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. That's all I wanted to know. That's all I wanted you to know that I knew. He says, for um, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration, a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. If we want to be authentic people, we need to take the focus off of us and put it on him. And to say, you know what? If you're looking at me, I'm going to let you down, but I hope that you'll see the God that's working through me in my life, through the brokenness and his power in my life. You know, the Bible says that we are like these earthen vessels who treasure this light of God in us. And, you know, broken earthen vessels, fragile. And that's what we are, right? So when it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Our lives should be gospel-centered and not me-centered. Secondly, I would say our lives should model humility and not pride. What is pride? 
Pride is thinking of yourself more than probably you should, thinking that you're all that when you're not. Humility is to be able to say, hey, you know what? I recognize that I'm not uh, the best person in my workplace. I'm not the best pastor in town. I'm not the best preacher of the word. I'm not the best husband. I'm not the best father. Whatever you want to use, go on, on, right? It's like humility is like, you know what? I've got my share of mistakes, and I'm struggling just like everybody else, and I don't want to put myself up on a pedestal because the Bible says pride comes before a fall. And man, I don't want to fall, right? So to walk in humility doesn't mean self-hate, like I can't stand myself and I'm a terrible person, but it just simply means having a right estimation of who you are. And when you look at yourself from the gospel of Christ, you're like, man, there's no way I measure up to how awesome God is. That should have a humbling effect on each one of us, right? Where we say, hey, I'm not him. And then I look at my life and I'm like, you know what? But I don't want to perceive myself or others to perceive me as better than them because there before the grace of God go I. All the problems that we see in our world we could also stumble into those. So have a, a model of humility and not pride. Paul, again, in Romans 12, 3 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. So if we want to be authentic, genuine followers of Christ... We have to be gospel-centered, not me-centered, and we have to embrace humility and not pride. Do we have this image that we try to protect to our coworkers and our family and even our church that we're better than it really is? See, pride says, I can't show you my, my faults, my failures, because i got to protect this image. One of my best friends, he's moved on to Dallas now, but he and I um, shared some really good talks over the years, and I mean, he's got this phrase, he said, Shane, I love you because you know my big ugly and you love me anyways. And what he's meaning by that is like, you know the, the sins that I struggle with, the temptations that I struggle with, and I've been able to share those with you and you still love me. That's powerful. And I would say the same thing of him. It's like, he knows my big ugly and he still loves me. There's liberty in those types of relationships. And I think God's calling us to those types of relationships. Amen? So, we should model humility and not pride. And lastly, I'd say our lives must be sincere. And the word sincere just simply means this, genuine, without hypocrisy. So if hypocrisy is to put on the mask, then sincerity means to drop the mask, right? If we're tempted to hold on to this image and tempted to wear the mask and to put on a front when God already knows the real us and people see through the mask, just being sincere with people is just saying, hey, listen, I want to drop the mask with you. And I realize that this is scary because you're worried about what they'll perceive of you and maybe they're going to leave the church. I, I struggle with that early on. And, and so I've shared things from the pulpit over the years that I've had other people say, hey, be careful what you share from the pulpit. I mean, I get it, but I will tell you this, more times than I can count over 20 years, I've had people come up that were either non-churched or disenfranchised with church that said, you know why I come to this church? is because you're real. It's because you don't preach at me, but you teach me. I like that, and I'll take that as a win. But it's not just for me. It's for each one of us to be able to say, you know what? I want to be real. I just want to be, what you see is what you get. Genuine, we're still growing, right, in our faith. It's not a, an excuse to say, hey, I'm just a turd, and that's it. Get over it, you know, enjoy me. No, it means, hey, I am, but I'm growing in my faith, and I want to be the guy that God wants me to be. And so um, being able to drop the mask, to be genuine, to be sincere with one another he says, your love for one another should be sincere. 
like genuine, real. And, and I would go on to say we can't truly love people the way we're commanded to love them without this genuine authenticity, the sincerity. So I want to challenge you to remove the mask. And I know it's vulnerable because, as I said, there's a big risk by doing that, but I want you to know it's liberating as well. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I want you to stand up in front of the church or on the stage and go, hey, my name is Shane and this is what I struggle with. I mean, that's not what I'm asking for because I think that would be reckless and maybe even a little dangerous. But what I am advocating for is God puts certain people in our groups. He puts certain people in the smaller you know, uh, groups in our life, like the friend circles. And there are those that you're like, man, this is just a friend. They would be here for me. Whatever I go through, I call them in the middle of the night. These are the type of people that are for me and not against me. They're on my building crew, not my wrecking crew. You know what I'm saying? And it's with these people that I want to be able to get to the point where I can say, hey, listen, man, you may not know this about me, but I struggle with, boom. And the beauty of it is whenever that person recognizes their own faults and failures and their own need for authenticity, they'll say, you know what? I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that too. You see what happens? Now you take one person that feels like they're the only one that's experiencing something wrong or walking through a difficult situation, and now they found somebody else that's been there, done that, and it gives the opportunity for somebody that's been there, done that, to say, hey, I walked through that as well, and let me tell you what God did and how he brought me through it. That's healing. That's hope, right? And I'll just tell you something else, that we're, tall, we're called to walk in the light, Right? We live in the light because we're children of the light. And so when we refrain from being real and genuine, it's like we're hiding in the darkness. It's like we're saying, I don't want you to know the real me, and so I'm going to put on the mask, the facade, the veneer, and I'm only going to show you what I want you to see of me. That's to live in darkness. And there's no liberty there. And I think Satan has a lot of fun with our lives in that area. So how liberating it is when we can say, God, I, I, I just sense this person that you sent to my life is a trustworthy person. They care about me. And when you begin to open up and say, hey, can we go get coffee? I'd like to have a conversation with you. Or you overhear someone saying, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage. And you, being sensitive to that, go, I don't want them to feel like they're the only one. And so this is my cue to say, you know what? My wife and I walked through some difficult times as well. And here's what God did for us and how he brought us through it. And in that moment, you start to be an agent of hope to hurting people. Do you see how it works? So it's not just a pastor from a pulpit, but it's us as Christians, as as church people that fill up this place that are living genuine lives of authenticity and God uses them to make a big, big difference. And so practical ways, I would say this, hey, open up to a friend and say, hey, if you ever need to talk, I just want you to know I'm a safe place and mean it. Amen? You have a conversation with someone and they spill out that stuff. You do not go, oh, man, I can't wait to tell my friend. That's gossip, and that's wrong. And if we were truly focused on being God-centered and humility and being sincere, we wouldn't even take that bait. We would say, you know what? I'm just realizing that I'm just like they are. We're all broken people trying to live a life worthy of the calling that we've been called to. So say, hey, if you ever need to talk, I want you to know I'm a safe place, and be that safe place. Secondly, I would say, um, when you hear someone, you know, that's just saying, hey, this is something I've struggled with or something I'm going through, and you've been through that, to don't, don't hoard that victory in your life that God's walked you through to yourself, but say, hey, listen, I might be of some help to you because I've walked through the same thing. I struggle with the same temptations. I've given in to those temptations, and let me just tell you how God has walked me through that towards no longer a struggle for me. 
Church, that's the church being the church. That's the church being the hands and the feet of Christ. Amen? So I want to challenge you to drop the mask. And I want you to imagine what it would be like if the church was a safe place. Imagine what it would be like if people could walk in the church. I mean, they're struggling. Uh, Their family's falling apart. They fell into that temptation another time. And and there's these huge consequences out there. And they just feel like the weight of the world is on them. They're looking for hope. My friends, there are a lot of organizations on the planet. But the one that God promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against is the church. And we as a church need to be the church. And imagine what it would be like if we were the church. And we just didn't say we're Christians, but we were Christians acting it out. And we see people coming in through the doors just with their baggage, their hurt, and their, you know, hopelessness and say, hey, you came to the right place. Because the same God that delivered me from it, he can deliver you too. And my friends, I believe that blesses God's heart. I was talking to one of my friends at the church, Bill, and he said, Shane, what you were saying without saying it was this. And I said, ooh, that's good. I'm going to write it down. So credit to Bill Brott, my buddy. He said, vulnerability and authenticity provides the fertile soil for God to work in and through us. That's good stuff. See, being vulnerable, like letting down our guard and saying, hey, I, I, I struggle too. I know you may not think that, but I struggle in my life, in my walk. Vulnerability and authenticity, just being genuine out front with people provides a fertile soil for God to work in you as well as through other people, in and through us. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of person I long to be, and hopefully that's the kind of church that we want to be known for as well. And I would have to say that um, God has blessed me with some really great relationships over the years. You know, as a pastor, you're kind of in a weird spot where you feel like you've got to always be on as a pastor, and, and we're humans. And so there's times whenever we just want to let our hair down and be at ease and relax. It doesn't mean we're doing crazy, crazy dumb stuff, but just be at ease. And God has blessed me over the years with some friends where I can just do that. It's just like, this is refreshing. You know the feeling? Just those people that refresh you, those people that encourage you. Um, imagine what it would be like being that type of a church, being that type of a believer, I I, I challenge you and I encourage you to have the courage, to have the courage to say, God, I'm going to put my life out there. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to be vulnerable for the sake of the gospel. I want to let down my mask and let other people see the real me. And guess what? Love you anyways. Because that's what he did with us. Amen? Are you grateful for the gospel? If you think about it, it's like we can put this veneer and God goes, look, look, your righteousness is like filthy rags compared to my standard. You'll never be able to attain that standard of righteousness. But here's the deal. I love you so much that I'm going to make a a way for you to be right with me anyways. That's love. Not that we loved him and in response to that, he loved us. But he demonstrated his love for us that when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. For whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. My friends, that's good news. And there's a world outside of this church that is starving for good news. There are disenfranchised believers outside of these doors who are starving for that refreshing fellowship that a church should provide and for that hope that comes only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question is, will we step up? Will we rise to the occasion? Will we we be the people that he's calling us to be, living out our lives in authenticity? Will we do it? Father, that's my prayer, uh, that I will continue to be willing to risk reputation and just embarrassment by being who you've called me to be, just what you see is what you get. Lord, I don't want it just for me. I, I, I know that 
We are blessed to have an amazing church, and I pray that today you would just put it in our hearts how important this is. Lord, there's a world that's hurting. Lord, and you're the, the solution to their hurt. You are their hope, and you chose the church as an agent, Lord, to bring that hope to a hurting world. And God, I fear that sometimes we hijack that or we block that uh, by just the mask, by, by being unwilling to be real and genuine and authentic. Lord, and so today I pray that we would have the courage to drop the mask, to not worry about being judged because we're not perfect in holiness or that we don't always get it right, that we have down days where our faith is weak, but we can say, hey, I'm having a, a struggle today. I'd like for you to pray for me. But God, also that we would see those outside that are looking for a reason of hope. And when they walk through these doors, they sense hospitality, just that welcoming spirit. But more importantly, they sense just real people doing church together, loving on each other, loving you, and trying to walk out that love and obedience in our lives. Father, would you help us to take a step in that direction today? Give us the courage to drop the mask. And Lord, if there's someone here that has not placed their faith in you, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you. Lord, they've got to be vulnerable in that sense that you have the answers to what they're looking for. You're the only answer to what they're looking for, their greatest need. And I pray that today would be the day, God, that they would just quit running, drop the mask, and run to you and experience life, and experience liberty. Father, would you be honored in our lives? Would you help us to take these words, not just to hear them and mull them over in our minds, but let them produce the seed in that fertile soil that would spring to action and we would truly be the people you've called us to be. And at the end of the day, it won't be again. So we can say, look at us, this perception, other people look at us, but God will say, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Father, it's all for your honor and for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.